أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد والمغمى عليه لا يقضي ما خرج وقته في إغمائه ويقضي ما أفاق في وقده مما يدرك منه ركعة فأكثر من الصلوات وكذلك الحائض تطهر So the person who is uh, unconscious uh, from non-haram causes, uh, from non-haram causes, like a person who is like knocked unconscious or, be, you know, goes unconscious because of illness or loses their mind or uh, something like that, or even a person who drinks uh, but not knowing that he was drinking versus a person who intentionally uh, takes an intoxicant knowing that it's an intoxicant. That person is not obliged to make up the prayers that they were, uh, they were out of their senses for completely. Uh, but when they come back to their senses, uh, like a, a person who becomes insane and then regains their sanity, or a person who comes out of a coma, or a person who becomes sober, uh, uh, um, that was that was intoxicated from uh, by through lawful means, uh, as opposed to unlawful means, that person is obliged to make up, to pray whatever prayer that they uh, come back to their senses in, and uh, as long as there's one rakah worth of time. So, for example, if a person comes back to their senses, he says al ha'idu. And the same hukum is the same hukum for uh, a woman in her menses whose menses ends, and then by extension a woman in postnatal bleeding whose postnatal bleeding ends. So if a woman, for example, uh, comes out of her menses um, five rakahs worth of time before, before uh, the, the sunset, then she has to pray both Zuhur and Asr because Zuhur is in its Dharuri time and there's time for Asr as well. So she catches one rakah of Zuhur because of the, the, the rule, man adraka rakaatan faqad adraka salah. Whoever catches one rakah catches the entire prayer, uh, meaning that the prayer is considered to have been prayed on time. So uh, if she comes out of her haib, uh, her uh, menses five rakahs worth of time before uh, the sun sets, or uh, such a man comes out of a fit of insanity or out of unconsciousness five rakahs worth of time before the sun sets, then they pray both dhuhr and asr. Uh, or they make up both Zuhur and Asr. And if uh, uh, the same, those same things uh, like ending uh, uh, menses or coming out of insanity or coming out of, um, uh, out of a coma or unconsciousness 
ends four rak'ahs worth of time before the break of dawn, then she, then that person, he or she, will pray, uh, will, will pray and make up both Maghrib and Isha. Because three rak'ahs for Maghrib and one for, one for Isha, because the, the, the daruri time for Maghrib and the daruri time for Isha extend all the way until the break of dawn. وَإِنْ كَانَ مِنَ النَّهَارِ أَوْ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ أَقَلُّ مِنْ ذَلِكَ صَلَّةِ الصَّلَاةِ الْأَخِيرَةَ And if the time is less than that, so for example, it's less than five rak'ahs worth, it's between four and one rak'ah worth of time before the sun sets, or between three and one rak'ah worth of time until the crack of dawn at night time, then she, uh, the woman who's in hayd, or the man or woman who come out of, uh, out of intoxication or coma, or madness, uh, they they will then just they will just be obliged to pray the second of the two prayers, which would be asr and or asr or isha. وَإِنْ حَاضَتْ لِهَذَا التَّقْدِيرِ لَمْ تَقْضِ مَا حَاضَتْ فِي وَقْتِهِ وَإِنْ حَاضَتْ لِأَرْبَعَ رَكَعَاتٍ مِنَ النَّهَارِ فَأَقَلَّ إِلَى رَكَعَاتٍ أَوْ لِثَلَاثِ رَكَعَاتٍ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ إِلَى رَكَعَاتٍ قَضَتْ الصَّلَاةِ الْأُولَى فَقَطْ وَاخْتُلِفَ فِي حَيْضِهَا لِأَرْبَعِ رَكَعَاتٍ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَقِيلَ مِثْلُ ذَلِكَ وَقِيلَ إِنَّهَا حَاضَتْ فِي وَقْتِهِمَا فَلَا تَقْضِيهِمَا So, then we go on to the other, the other, the kind of the inverse possibility or inverse mas'ala. Which is that uh, if a woman, uh, 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 her hayd starts if her hayd starts um, in the time of it's like four rakahs into uh, 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 Four rakahs into uh, uh, the day, or less, then she uh, uh, or three rakahs into the night or less, uh, uh, then she only has to make up the first of the two salats. Um, and there's a difference of opinion for the for for the maghrib is it or for for the night time that does she is it three or four rakahs into the night uh, uh, does her if her hayd starts. Does she have to make up? Uh, does she have to make up the uh, uh, second of the prayers or not? Um, and that's a difference of opinion. But if it's if it's basically if it's the time that the uh, if she that that uh, it takes to pray the first first of the two prayers, if she her hayd starts after that much time, then she has to make up the first. If she it doesn't if it starts before that, if it just starts like a rock hour worth of time after the first of the two prayers, then she doesn't have to make up the first of the two. And both of them are considered to have um, been inside the time of her hayd, inside of the time of her menstru mens menses. So if it's less than four or less than three, then by by ittifaq, by by uh, 
by by uh, unanimous opinion uh, of the ulama, she doesn't have to she doesn't have to make up the first of the two prayers. Whoever is sure that they made wudu, but is doubtful whether it broke or not, let them make a new wudu. So this is a this is a qaida in the Maliki Madhab with regards to wudu that you have to be certain you're on wudu at all times. If you're not completely certain that you're on wudu, you have a doubt about it. And the other madhahib, a doubt doesn't break your wudu. In the madhahib of Malik, if you have a doubt, you have to make wudu again. The prayer is not valid. If it's something you just think for a minute, do I have wudu or not? Think, think, think. Then you're like, yeah, I do. That's fine. But if, if, you, if you think and this doubt is still sustained at the time of your prayer, the prayer is not valid. The person who made wudu, but then remembers, I forgot to do one of its arkan. What are the arkan of wudu? Ya ila Oh, you believe when you stand for prayer, wash your face and your arms and your, uh, uh, and, and your, uh, uh, wipe your head and wash your feet. So those are, those are the, 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 the far the limbs of washing. The other things like washing, rinsing your nose, wiping your ears, uh, 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 rinsing your mouth. These things are sunnahs of wudu. They're not. The second and the third washings for the things that are washed in three, three, three times, those things are all sunnahs. But if the fara'id, you forget, if you forget something, so there's two possibilities of forgetting. One is you forget one of the fara'id, um, and you remember within the amount of time it takes for your limbs to dry. Okay, in that case, so for example, a person washes their face and then wipes their head and then washes their feet and then realizes, oh my god, I didn't. Wipe one of my arms or both of my arms. Wash one of my arms or wash both of my arms. You go back and you do the thing you forgot. And you do everything that's after it as well. Why? Because the... Uh, 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 um, the mawalat is also a... Is also a wajib of the, of the wudu. Mawalat is that you do the, the limbs one after the other. Yes? Like so. Do you... On uh, the doors... Like downstairs, that side door. Do you guys unlock that so you can get in and stuff like? No, we don't have the key to it. And no, no, no. Uh, like I think because you have a, there's an unlock thing. That you can yeah, no, I don't. I don't mess with that. Oh, okay. Somebody's doing that, and then I'm recording class right now. Do you mind, inshallah, if there's anything else you can we talk about it later? Sorry. Thank you. So uh, uh, the. Uh, um, the idea is that 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 the mawalat are also a a a a, a wajib part of wudu, right? There are seven wajibat of wudu, right? One is the washing the arms, which is from the elbow to the tips of the fingers. This the, one is sorry, washing the face, then washing the arms, then wiping the head, and washing the feet. So th- that's four four sets of limbs, and then there are three other uh, osaf of the wudu that are. That are uh, that are uh, that are wajib. Um, 
So a person uh, a person should do do the, the the make the person has to make a niya as well. Um and so that's something that has to happen before any of this starts. So they can't just be in the shower washing these limbs or whatever. Um and then the 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 next thing is that a person has to do dalk. Dalk means that you have to actually wipe the limb. You have to actually wipe the limb. It's not just sufficient to put the limb under running water or dip the limb in water, but you have to actually wipe the limb. Um, dalk. Did you say dalk? Dalk. Dalk in Arabic. Arabic dalk means to rub or wipe. And then the third thing is al-mawalat or al-fawr. Both of these two in Arabic are synonyms in this context. Mu'alat means doing one thing after the other. Four means doing things in a timely fashion. Uh, diligence in, 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 in doing these things. Meaning you cannot just do one item of wudu and then wait for, uh, wait for like an hour and then do the next one. And uh, the time limit between that, that you, in which you have to be constantly engaged in doing the wudu between you know, parts of the wudu that you can wait is the time limit it takes the limbs to dry in a normal in a in a normal climate. So if it's like seventy five degrees outside, you know how much, which is not too hot nor too cold. How long does it take for your limbs to dry? So I would say it's somewhere maybe a minute and a half, two and a half minutes, somewhere in there. Um, and so the 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 mualat or the four, as a rukan of wudu, as a wajib and obligatory part of wudu, its wujub or its obligation is also contingent on it being. Uh, 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 contingent on there being either dhikr or qudra uh, the ability to do so or or the ability to do so physically or the mental ability to do so meaning having remembered right so something distract you you didn't intentionally uh, you know you didn't intentionally make the time drag on between two items but somehow you were you were uh, physically restrained or unable to do so then that that condition is is maf it's 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 forgiven it's it's waived so, coming back to the issue we have is if a person forgets to do a limb, if that forgetfulness is within the t- amount of time it takes for the limbs to dry, then they should wash that limb and then wash all the other limbs after it. Why? Because the tartib al-fara'id is a sunnah mu'akkada. To do all of the, all of the uh, obligatory limbs in order is a sunnah mu'akkada uh, of wudu. What is sunnah mu'akkada? The Sunnah Mu'akkada is that Sunnah the Prophet ﷺ never left or only left on specific occasion just to show that it's not far, otherwise he never left it. And the definition for Sunnah Mu'akkada that I give also versus the lighter Sunnahs or the lighter recommendations is the Sunnah Mu'akkada is that thing, if you don't do it, the act is still valid, however, the Barakah is gone, the Khair is gone from it. So it's worth doing over. So you should never skip something that's a sunnah mu'akkada. You should never skip anything that's a sunnah either. But the sunnah mu'akkada of, of, of any act, uh, uh, you should never skip it until, and unless uh, it's a matter of either skip this or miss the entire act itself. So like, you know, if you're like in a plane or something like that, and you have, or you have very limited amount of time or water or something, you have to share wa- a small amount of water with a whole bunch of people or something. That's a reason, those are reasonable times to skip the sunnah mu'akkada. Otherwise, just because you don't want to do it, you should basically functionally pretend like, it's, pretend like it's an obligation, except for in those situations. So the sunnah mu'akkada, uh, um, the sunnah mu'akkada is what? That the order of the limbs being washed should be maintained. So because that order is still possible, 
because the order is also uh, 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 contingent on dhikr and qudra. Your uh, knowledge of that order and your ability to, to affect that order. So And so uh, if a person remembers while the limbs are still wet, they should go back and do the limb that they forgot. And then they should, they should, uh, 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 they should go back and do the limb that they forgot. And then they should do all the limbs afterward. If a person remembers after like an hour that, oh, I forgot I didn't like wash my left arm or something like that. Then you just wash your left arm and that's it. Why? Because the mawalat is forgiven because you forgot it's not like you did it, you skipped it on purpose and the uh, uh uh the time frame in which you were supposed to do the things in tartib that 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 time frame is gone wa anta ta'amada dhalika ibtada'a alwudu'a wa in tala dhalika and if a person skipped a limb on purpose and then uh, 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 skipped a limb on purpose and a long time passed then they should just do the whole wudu again. Why? Because they, they, uh, uh, um, they, they skipped a limb and then the, then the long time has passed, so they uh, missed the rukun of wudu, the obligation of wudu, which is to do uh, 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 do all of its parts uh, w- time in a diligent fashion, one by one. Is the salat invalid? Yeah, and the salat prayed with it is invalid in that case. What about the salat for that one hour? Yeah, if you really forgot and you prayed, then you have to go back, wash that arm, and then pray again. the The idea is that that from all the pre from all the prerequisites for the prayer, like pr- praying with clean clothes on, praying with praying facing the qibla, praying uh, in a clean place, all of those. Uh, if a person forgets or there's a mistake. Uh, there's some scope for forgiveness uh, if a person forgets or makes a mistake with regards to them. However, the wudu, once a person knows that the wudu wasn't valid, doesn't matter if it was your fault or not your fault. If it was not your fault, there won't be any sin, but you still have to make the, do the wudu and make the prayer up. The wudu is the only absolute prerequisite to, to the prayer in which there's no, uh, uh, there's no uh, leeway for bending. There's a little point also so that you can understand the kind of the technical jargon of the fuqaha. There's a difference between a shart and a rukun. Shart and rukun. Shart means a condition or prerequisite. And rukun literally means like a pillar. Uh, rukun also, they, they use the word wajib in the same place of rukun, which is, which is uh, uh, that thing which is, if, that thing which is an integral part of the, the, the act that you're doing. A shart and a rukun are both uh, are both uh, uh, similar in the sense that if you skip a shart of an act or if you skip a rukun of an act, uh, you will the act will become invalid. So the reason rukun means pillar, the reason the rukun is the word used is because like a load bearing wall in a building, if you crash, crash, break it, then the whole building will you know be, the the structure of it will become unstable and it may collapse. Uh, so the shart and the rukun are similar in the sense that if they are skipped, the uh, uh, the the act of worship in question will not be valid anymore. But the difference is that a shart is external to the act, and rukun is internal to the act. So reading Fatiha in every rakah is what? Hmm. Ah, uh, we have two choices: shart and rukun. Rukun. It's a rukun. Why? 
within the act. It's within the, it's a rukun because it's within the salat, okay? B- making wudu properly is a shart or a rukun. Shart. Why? Because the prerequisite is outside of the act. It's not, the wudu is not part of the prayer. But if you don't do the wudu, the prayer is not valid. So as a, as a, as a shart, the wudu is, is absolute as, as a shart, whereas facing the qibla and, uh, uh, um, having a clean place to pray and having clean clothes and a clean body while you pray. Uh, those are, those are, those are shurut, but there, there's conditions on them. There's some flexibility in the, the, the it being a shart. Whereas this, the wudu, there's no flexibility in it. You just, you have it or you don't. If you don't, even if it's not your fault, that means that if it's not your fault, that means there's no sin, but it, but it doesn't mean that the prayer is complete. The prayer has to be made up if there's no wudu. وَإِنْ كَانَ قَدْ صَلَّى فِي جَمِيعِ ذَلِكَ أَعَادَ صَلَاتَهُ أَبَدًا And if a person prays in any of these ways that invalidates the wudu, then they're required to make that, that those prayers up. Uh, there's no And there's no flexibility in that. They have to make those prayers up. وَوُضُوءُهُ إِنْ ذَكَرَ Sorry, So not only have they have to make those prayers up, but they have to make the wudu up also that, that's attached to those prayers. Obviously the wudu first and then the prayers. So as for the sunan mu'akkada of the wudu, like what? Like the uh, like rinsing your mouth, like uh, wiping over your ears, right? Like the second and third washings. Uh, if a person forgets one of those, um, and they remember, they remember that they forgot before the wudu dries. Then they just do those things, and they don't have to make up what's after it. Why? Because doing the 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 arkan of wudu in order is a sunnah mu'akkada. Doing the sunnah mu'akkadas of the wudu in order is a light sunnah. It's not a. It's not a. It's not an emphasis. Sunnah mu'akkada means emphasize sunnah, right? The doing the sunnah mu'akkadas in order is a light sunnah. So you don't have to. You don't have to do. You don't have to do whatever's done. Whatever's done over again. If a long time passes and a person remembers, oh, I forgot to wipe my my uh, uh, my ears, or I forgot to blow my nose, or I forgot to uh, rinse my mouth. Then they can just do it later on without having to re- restart their wudu, and uh, uh, they don't have to make up the prayers that that they that they that missed those specific things in the wudu. وَمَنْ صَلَّى عَلَى مَوْضِعٍ طَاهِرٍ مِنْ حَصِيرٍ أَوْ بِمَوْضِعٍ آخَرَ مِنْهُ نَجَاسَةٌ فَلَا شَيْءَ عَلَيْهِ If a person prays on a mat, for example. Part of the mat is has najas on it and part of it is clean. As long as the part that they prayed on is clean, the fact that there's some najasa on another part of it that they didn't touch while praying, that doesn't harm the validity of their prayer. The same thing is like, for example, if someone puts a sheet down or puts a, puts a, a mat down um, over something that's najas, as long as that thing, that, that mat or that sheet itself is not najas and the najasa doesn't, the effect of it doesn't come through the sheet, uh, you're, they're basically good. That's fine. وَالْمَرِيضُ إِنْ كَانَ عَلَى فِرَاشٍ نَجِسٍ And the same thing is, the same hukum is for um, 
for the the person who the sick person right uh 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 so the idea is that, that the same thing is for a person who's sick and bedridden. If there's najasa on the bed that they're on, uh, uh, they can just, just just lay some sheet or whatever over the najasa and uh, and just pray. So long as the the najasa, the impurity doesn't reach, you know, reach or it doesn't it doesn't penetrate through that that sheet or whatever they lay down. وَصَلَاةُ الْمَرِيضِ إِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرْ عَلَى الْقِيَامِ صَلَّى جَالِسًا إِنْ قَدْرَ عَلَى التَّرَبُّعِ وَإِلَّا فَبِقَدْرِ طَاقَتِهِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرْ عَلَى السُّجُودِ فَلْيُمِئُ بِالرُّكُوعِ وَالسُّجُودِ وَيَكُونُ سُجُودَهُ أَخْفَضَ مِنْ رُكُوعِهِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرْ صَلَّى عَلَى جَنْبِهِ الْأَيْمَنَةِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرْ إِلَّا عَلَى ظَهْرِهِ فَأَفْعَلَ ذَلِكَ so uh, the idea is that the, the, the sick person, if their illness or their weakness uh, uh, does not allow them to pray standing, then they, can, they should pray sitting. Now this is an interesting masala, uh, which is that um, if you're not able to pray standing, you should pray sitting in the position of tashahud. Right? The, the way you sit between the sajdas and you sit for, for the attahiyah. Uh, that sitting if you're not able to do that then you're supposed to sit cross-legged if you can't do that then you're actually allowed to pray laying down this thing that we have in the masajid about people sitting in chairs I'm not really, I don't know about it except for if a person's able to sit in tashahud or able to sit cross-legged then they shouldn't sit in the chairs uh, despite the fact that sitting in the chairs is probably easier for them to get up and get down they can take help from someone to get up and get down. I guess if they can't do it, then there's some scope for it. But at any rate, if you're able to sit properly on the floor, uh, uh, then it's that's the way you're supposed to do it, not sitting in chairs. The other thing is it won't interrupt the line, whereas the chair interrupts the line. Because if a person's in a chair, uh, if they're able to stand, either they'll stand out of the line or they'll stand in the line and it will disrupt the line behind them. So we're getting to it, yes. That, pre- that, that takes precedence over even a chair laying down. Yeah. Well, that's that's what the text would seem to su- uh, suggest at least. So the person who cannot sit mutarabbi'an cross-legged, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, okay, so and if the person is not able to make sajda, uh, uh, let them uh, uh, let them just make a gesture with their with their body um, for both the ruku and for the sajda, and they they just make sure that the gesture for the sajda is lower than the gesture for the ruku. Um, and whoever is not able to pray sitting uh, cross-legged, let them pray uh, on their right hand side, laying on their right hand side by gesture. And whoever is able, not able to uh, lay on the right hand side facing the qibla by gesture, they're able to uh, let them pray on their back. The idea that gesturing can be uh, with your neck or with your head if needs be, if the rest of the body can't move. If even that can't move, then gesturing can be even with the eyes. If, if, if it gets to that point. وَلَا يُؤَخِرُ الصَّلَاةَ إِذَا كَانَ فِي عَقْلِهِ وَلْيُصَلِّهَا 
بِقَدْرِ مَا يُتِيقُ And a person should not delay uh, 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 the prayer uh, uh, if they are in the sick person, if they are, uh, they still have their intellect, uh, their wits about them. And uh, a person should just pray however they can, uh, how, however they can, however they have the ability to do so the best. وَإِن لَمْ يَقْدِرْ عَلَى مَسِّ الْمَاءِ لِلْضَرَرٍ أَوْ لِأَنَّهُ لَا يَجِدُ مَنْ يُنَاوِلُهُ إِيَّاهُ يَتَيَمَّمُ A person who is not able to make wudu either because they're not able to touch the water, like for example a person has burns or a person has uh, uh, wounds all over his body, um, the water will probably uh, uh, cause a problem, it will cause an increase in infection. There's a whole issue about bandages, splints and bandages. There's a whole chapter in Khalil about how to deal with those, that a person basically wipes around them, washes around them. If they can wipe over them, they wipe over them. If they can't do it, they just wipe around them. Um, but the idea, there's there's a lot of details. There's a lot more details in Khalil than just that, but that's the that's like a very, very broad level overview. But uh, um, what about a small bandage? We should just rip it off, make wudu, and put on another one, right? If a person has a small bandage, uh, if the bandage is there for healing the for healing a wound, mm-hmm. it's it, it can be tolerated. That's fine. Just wipe over it, and then and then uh, uh, you know it's one thing. Like if the bandage is there, it's like a fresh wound, and like it's actually helping to heal. There's no need to take it off and put another one on. Especially if the water is going to cause problems for the wound and possibly increase the chance of infection. If you have a bandage on, I don't know, like my kids sometimes like to put on bandages just to garner sympathy and it's not really an issue. Maybe if you're a grown up who does stuff like that, then you know your fear of God should make you take it off and at least wipe over it uh, and, and either throw it away or get another one. But yeah, if it's actually being used properly for like an actual cut that you're trying to like have healed, then I, I think there should be no need to take it off and throw it away it actually falls into the purview of the of the dispensation yeah so we don't have to have wudu when we first put the bandaid on then uh yeah you like, sh- you should you should have wudu before putting on a bandaid bandage that 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 uh, uh that can't be that you have to wipe th- that you, you have to wipe over but I, I i don't know it to be necessary okay like yeah i'm thinking about like somebody breaks slips and breaks their legs if they if the doctors put a cast on it Without wudu on, or like it's not practical to make wudu at that time, um, I can go look in Khalil, inshallah. I don't know that it's 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 uh, necessary to have wudu before putting it on, but uh, yeah, I, I check that. Because what are you gonna do? You can't just take the cast off, right? Once the plaster hardens, you're basically you're basically stuck, right? So, alhamdulillah, Allah ta protects us from breaking limbs and ours or anyone else's, inshallah, and from casts. But anyway, the person who touching water is going to cause them harm, or the one who can make wudu from water and uh, but but uh, um, they can make wudu from water, but they don't. They're like really weak. It's hard for them to get up, and there's not always someone who can give them water. That person uh, uh, should make tayammum. And remember, I remember when we went over tayammum that tayammum is only to be done from. Types of earth. So dirt, dust, sand, rock, untreated rock. So you can't just be like, oh, look, 
my whatever five carat diamond engagement ring is a stone, right? No, it's because it's treated. You can't make tayammum from it. Uh, it has to be maybe if it was the raw diamond that that was uncut and unpolished, you can make tayammum from it. But um, yeah, it has to be it has to be some part of the earth. So he makes a suggestion if a person doesn't have a rock, like for example, in a hospital room or whatever, wherever there's some dust or some, like if there's a potted plant, for example, in the room or some dust on the windowsill, even that's enough to make uh, uh, wudu from. Uh, so he says that, that, that even the, the gypsum drywall you don't make tayammum from it because it's treated, it's treated so much. So just a reminder, the faqidu tahurain, the person who neither has the ability to make wudu, neither has wudu, nor has the ability to make wudu for lack of water, nor if they're like locked in a rubber box or something like that, a'udhu billah, um, that person for them, the prayer is not in fard anymore until they're, until they're able to find something they can make wudu or tayammum from. Another strange mas'ala, which I don't know the fuqaha, you know, this is just kind of my hamzi and mas'ala, so if anyone hears this they can and sees like one of the big muhaqiqin ulama of the madhab, they can ask them. This is just my own little hamza, hamza mas'ala, so you can take it or leave it. But uh, um, this is not only a case where, you know, like how water damages a person, f- uh, you know, who has like burn wounds or something like that. This may also be the case for a body. Uh, if you have to make ghusl for the body uh, 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 um, before burying it, some people, because they find the body later on or the body goes through some sort of trauma, um, if you open the hose on it, it's literally the skin and the tissues are going to start coming apart. Uh, whereas a person who dies and the body is normally intact, then you can wash it like you wash a living body. Well, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's fairly similar, right? Um, you know, to the point where you can use soap and you can use these things to, to shampoo, to wash the hair, etc., etc. So if a person has to wash a body that's going to like just disintegrate if you put the water on it, um, and it's just not going to, you know, then you, if the skin is intact, you can dry it with a towel as well. Whereas if it's not intact, it will just stay moist and it will stain the kafan and things like that. So if it's like that, then perhaps it's best just a person grab a rock and, and make tayammum for the, for the body with it rather than washing it because uh, it's not the point for the body to disintegrate like that. And it's going to cause a great deal of problems for, for the body when, when you're shrouding it and things like that. Allahu alam. Allah knows best. This is uh, actually a, a recommendation I got from Mufti Harun Firdosi, who uh, is like the only Muslim licensed that I know of, at least in the Chicago area, licensed like Muslim funeral director, um, and very mashallah God fearing and wonderful person. Um, so, and that that made sense to me. I haven't read the Mas'ala in any of the books, but uh, it may be of use to somebody who is put in that situation because you want to do what's right. But if, you know, being sometimes, you know, you know, he, everyone wants to be hardcore, but sometimes keeping it real goes wrong. You know what I mean? So that's one of those situations you don't, don't, don't go there because you're going to cause a, a greater, a greater fitna 
you know, um, by, 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 by subjecting that body to that, 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 that decay and that wear that will happen from the water. And then afterward, when you try shrouding the body, it's going to just stain the cuff and shroud. You'll put all sorts of towels. The towels, A, won't dry the body. B, they'll cause the body to dis disintegrate even further. It's just going to become a big mess. Um, sometimes, you know, although a person should be shrouded, ideally only in, in whatever cotton, cotton shrouds um, that you get, but uh, you know it may be to the point where the bags, the the plastic plastic body bags, you have to just leave the body in there. Just do the tayammum, leave the body in there, zip that up, and then put the shrouds around that, um, because uh, because of all of these these uh, issues that that are mentioned. Because the the human body once it starts to disintegrate, uh, um, it, it, I mean, you know, it, it, it that's what it is. Allah created us from the earth, and then we go back into it. And uh, once that process starts, it really, it's a lot faster than most people think uh, uh, for that body to break down. And uh, uh, sometimes the, like the smell is overwhelming. Uh, uh, it, you just, you don't want to subject that, that person, to dishonor that person by subjecting the people who are bury, burying them to a stained shroud or to that smell. Uh, whereas you, per, per, you know, keep them in the, in the plastic bag. And or maybe even you know sometimes putting in a new plastic bag is itself problematic because the body is so weak it will disintegrate. So if that's the case, just keep them in the same plastic bag. Put the shrouds on around out, out outside of the bag with the niya of the sunnah kafan uh, that it should be like a sunnah kafan and just wrap the, the the cotton shrouds around that and perfume the shrouds heavily so that the 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 smell doesn't get through. There's also. There's two things. When you bury a body, there's, there's perfume uh, 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 and there's something called sidr. Sidr is like the, the, uh, the, the leaves of, I think, a lot tree. When you break them up and put them in, in, into, the, into the shroud, uh, um, they will kind of eat up the odor of the, 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 uh, the body disintegrating or the body uh, uh, breaking down. It's kind of like an old school organic deodorant. So whatever something like that a person can do, they should do it so as to show honor to the deceased, you know, when, when burying them. Because people, their bodies come in different different conditions. Obviously the Anbiya alayhim this is our aqidah that Allah Ta'ala made them haram on the earth so they, they don't disintegrate nor do they rot. وَمُسَافِرُ يَأْخُذُهُ الْوَقْتُ فِي طِينٍ خَضْخَاضٍ لَا يَجِدُ أَيْنَ يُصَلِّ فَلْيَنْزِلْ عَنْ دَابَتِهِ وَيُصَلِّ فِيهِ قَائِمًا يُمِئُ بِالسُّجُودِ وَأَخْفَضَ بِالسُّجُودِ وَأَخْفَضَ بِالسُّجُودِ أَخْفَضَ مِنَ الرُّكُوعِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرْ أن ينزل فيه صلى على دابته إلى القبلة. So a person who's traveling and the time of the prayer is ending and they are in extreme mud. Like we talked about this last week also, that sometimes the mud is almost dangerous to walk in and you can like lose a sandal in it. And when you lose like a sandal or a shoe in like three feet of mud, it's very difficult to retrieve it out of out of there. And then afterward, your entire you know, clothes and everything you have become muddy. Then your, then your hands become muddy. If you have to touch your wallet or your phone, it's going to destroy that as well. 
So that's considered an extreme hardship. So a person who's in that situation, who is riding on a mount, uh, they can just stand on the earth, get off their mountain, stand on the earth and pray, making ishara, making uh, uh, gestures. If it's even problematic for them to just get off the mount, they can stay mounted. And I guess the nadir of that would be, in, in today's day, um, would be uh, like being in your car, I guess, if you're in a 4x4 four four or something like that. Um, that you can just stay mounted and just pray and make ishara for your for your sajda and for your ruku'. But that's for an extreme hardship. That's not like, you know, I don't have a I don't have a, a prayer rug and icky. I have to, to my head has to touch the floor. That's what the prayer is supposed to be. Your head is supposed to touch the floor. The person who thinks that their head touching the floor is icky, then they're missing their sajda, even the sajdas that they're doing anyway. Uh, Allah knows best if like internally, spiritually, if they're being accepted or not. That's the whole point of the prayer is that your face should touch the floor. The place where other people walk, you should touch the floor. That's why it's a, a, a sign of humility in front of the Lord. And if a person can't do that much for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, they have to question who they've been worshipping all of these years. Um, it's not for like a light amount of like, oh look, I'm going to get dust on my knees and on my hands, or I'm going to have to make sajda in the grass, and I'm going to get grass on my face or whatever. Those things, you just do it, and then when you're done, if you're really upset about it, you just wipe them off and just keep going. Um, but this whole thing about, you know, you know, uh, trying to be pretty all the time, uh, mashallah, if you're a sister, there's still some scope to like want to think that way. If you're a brother and you're trying to be pretty all the time, there's a whole bunch of other issues going on, which, uh, uh, you know, Fit class may not be the, the 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 proper place to get help for, but but please do get help because it's not it's not bad. And on the other side, as a slight tangent from fit, you know, being a little bit dirty. There's two things. There's one thing is you're dirty in the eyes of Allah Taala, that has to do with immorality, that has to do with najasa, right? Having urine on your clothes, feces on your clothes, semen on your clothes, blood pus on your clothes. These types of things, that's what najasa is. So there are people whose hem of their garment is dragging beneath their feet and they urinate in urinals and their clothes are look clean outwardly, but they're dirty. And then there are certain people, their clothes may look dusty a little bit, but that dust is not dirty in the eyes of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it's a sign of a man doing a hard day's work or a sign of a man who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. سِيمَاهُمْ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ مِنْ أَثَرِ السُّجُودِ ذَلِكَ مَثَلُهُمْ فِي are described by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book as their signs are in their foreheads from the effect of, of, of making prostration in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a mark of honor in front of Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and in front of the believers that a person should have some uh, a little bit of disheveledness in their forehead or in their nose or in the, the palms of their hands or on their knees or on their, on their feet uh, because of the sajda. And that's something that's easily washed, it's easily cleaned. If you have like a job interview or something like that, then keep a prayer rug with you. If you have a job interview and you don't have a prayer rug with you, just go to the bathroom and wash your hands and your face with water afterward. All of it will come off. You're not going to like, uh, you know, pray inside of a inside of a, a mud pile. We already said that if this mud all around you, then you have the uh, rukhsa that you don't have to 
make sajda in it. If it's just a little bit, just make the sajda. Everybody should do this as a homework exercise. Go in your backyard, um, you know, not necessarily when it's soggy or whatever, but when it's a good dry day of good temperature. And just pray on the grass. Face the qibla and pray on the grass. Uh, the, uh, the earth was made a masjid for the Prophet wasallam. This is one of the honors and khasais of this ummah, that we don't have to go to the masjid to pray. Rather, the entire earth was made a masjid for Rasulullah wasallam and for his Mubarak ummah. Allah Ta'ala ha- ha- have mercy on it. So go and pray and stick your face on the floor and when you feel like, oh, this is gross, then know that you're doing this for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. This may be the first time you actually make sajda in your life spiritually. Uh, that's not something a person needs to freak out about or or, or, or or get to whatever about. And the funny thing is, once you do it, you'll kind of get over it really quickly, the fear of it, the phobia, the irrational fear. And the other thing is that there are some people who think they're being clean, and literally, A, you're not protecting yourself from spiritual filth, and you're not protecting yourself from najasa, and your cleanliness, your quote-unquote fake pseudo-cleanliness is also harming you. Our kids nowadays, they're unexposed to what's going on, what, what's outdoors, they're unexposed to antigens, they're unexposed to allergens, they're unexposed to any of these things. And then people get super hypersensitive and their bodies literally consume themselves with autoimmune uh, disorders because of their lack of exposure to anything. The body basically doesn't find anything to, uh, 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 any, anything to uh, 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 attack, so it starts to attack itself. Um, and you know, like one of the treatments that they have now for, uh, for people with allergies, they call it immunotherapy, where they'll find all the things you're allergic to and they'll inject it straight into your bloodstream, uh, little by little. Or another, another alternative treatment is they'll take, they'll put a parasite inside of your stomach or inside of your intestinal tract or inside of your bloodstream. And the parasite itself will disable, disable your immune system to the point where it can't hyper overreact to stuff. So instead of like having to literally inject inject all the stuff that you don't want to make sajda in anyway, why don't you just make sajda in the ground and then get the sawab for it and still like be cool, you know, instead of having to then afterward go to the asthma and allergy therapist and then pay the dude like God knows how much to in- literally inject that crap into your own bloodstream and then... Uh, afterward, uh, have a nurse like watch you for an hour just to make you don't, make sure you don't have like an immuno freak out, and then they have to rush you to the emergency room and like whatever, give you a shot of adrenaline straight to your heart or whatever that that EpiPen or whatever that they just whatever bought out and like super marked up, monopolized, marked up. Instead of having to go through all that stuff, you know, if people were just behaving like Muslims in the first place, uh, including myself, Allah forgive all of us, then, uh, uh, um, you know, subhanAllah. I, I, this is one thing before people, people look at me now, they're like, oh my God, this guy is a complete slob. You know, I don't even, I, you know, even want to disclose too much, but they look at me and they're like, oh my God, this guy's a complete slob. He should make himself more presentable in order to, you know, whatever, you know, if he's going to call people to the deen. Trust me, before I went to go and study Dean, I was so sensitive about things that if if someone asked me for a sip of Coke from the can I was drinking from, I would be too ashamed to say no. So I would give them the can. And then after I seeing their like mouth touch the can, I'd be like, you know what? Why don't you just drink the rest of it? You know, just go ahead and have it. It's not a big deal because I was like grossed out, like so super grossed out by like little stuff. Then Alhamdulillah, by the fadl of Allah Ta'ala, you you know, uh, live in the desert for a while, you don't have no water, you don't take a shower for a week, you don't do this, you don't do, you have all these experiences, weird insects biting you, and like, just weird stuff, like, you know, 
and you chill out. You know, you have all these problems, you chill out, you get a couple of infections, get a couple of parasites, get some, uh, 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 what do they call it, uh, abscesses and all these other weird things, you get weird sicknesses that you never really thought of before, and then you kind of chill out a little bit. But I'll tell you one thing, like every year before I, including when I was in university as an adult, uh, because some people say, oh, you just grow out of it when you get bigger. No, even when I was an adult, every year I used to spend like at least like 40 days of the year sneezing uncontrollably. Uh, like like go through half a box of tissues in a day and have all these like super crazy allergies and things like that and i still have maybe one or two days in a year or one or two days every other year like that now but like mashallah by allah's fadl i just noticed like there's a lot of stuff that i i've really gotten over um that allah ta'ala has pr- protected me from i don't have to deal with those things anymore and allah knows best what it is but i think part of it is just like hyper exposure if it's time to pray I'll just go and pray if, if it's, you know, I don't have, a, I mean, I keep a prayer rug in my car, but if I don't have it, uh, you know, just pull over and pray in the grass, you know, just go pull over and pray on the pavement. Um, if it's wet, good. Allah created every living thing from water. Mashallah. It's not going to kill you. You know, in fact, the rain, there's barakah in the rain. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to take his, when it would rain, the first rain of the season, he would take his shirt off sallallahu alayhi wasallam and, and stand outside and, and soak himself in the rain as a sign of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's actually the, the rain, the rain, especially in the extreme heat, there's a, a shifa in it. There's a cure in it. If a person has heat rash, um, the, standing in the rain will actually cure your skin. It will make the heat rash go away. And it's really strange how it does it. You can take a cold shower inside and it's not going to do it for you. But I, I, I experienced it. Someone actually told me I complained about heat rash. He said, just wait. You know, it's a sunnah. You, know, you read the hadith about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi standing in the rain. He says, it's a sunnah. Go do it next time. It'll cure your heat rash. I'm like, how is it going to cure the heat rash? I can take a really cold shower inside and it's not helping. But you go outside. Some There's some some shifa that Allah Ta'ala put in the rain that, uh, uh, you know, whatever uh, local water system doesn't have. That when you stand in the rain, it causes the, the skin on the surface to uh, um, to to just uh, just flake away, and underneath it, your skin is the irritation is completely gone, uh, just from standing outside for 20, 15, 20 minutes in the rain. Um, you know all of these things that we avoid, like the plague, and we run away from. Um, maybe if we were like less like fake clean and more real clean, uh, then uh, Allah Taala would protect us from those things and give us. The barakat that our forefathers had as well, um, and you know, I, I, you know, maybe someone thinks this is a harsh tirade, but trust me, all of these things are things I discovered later on in life. And if it wasn't a, a personal experience I went through, maybe I wouldn't be so uh, forceful in advocating them. وللمسافر أن يتنفل على دابته في سفره حيثما توجهت به. Uh, uh, so a person who's traveling, they can pray their all their non-farth prayers um, while mounted on their means of conveyance. They don't have to get down from their horse or from their wagon or in this case from the car. You don't have to get off of it in order to pray your nuffle prayers. Um, and so I'll, I'll add to that also that, you know, perhaps if you're in your seat in the plane, your witter or your two rakahs before fajr and things like that, pray them in your seat. Don't get up and pray them in the, in the, in the aisle or in the emergency exit or in the, in the, in the, in the back. 
your fard prayers, if you're able to pray them properly standing, then you're obliged to, which means what? If you have wudu, wait until the, the stewardesses go through, uh, go through the aisles and do all their service so you're not in their way. Once everything is done and calm, go calmly and politely with a smile on your face. Um, ask if you could please say your prayers you, and say, promise them you'll do it quick and do it as quick as you legally can. And don't do your sunnahs standing, but just do your farth prayer. I have never been forbidden from doing that by a, Muslim, for, by a non-Muslim. I have on some of our Muslim airlines, um, and I'll just go ahead and pray anyway. Uh, but in America, don't do it. There's an air marshal on the plane. He will pull a gun out and cuff you in front of everybody. They will make a uh, YouTube video of you, and they're all going to laugh at you. And why shouldn't they? You're an idiot. Uh, so, but if you ask politely and they say yes, then go ahead and pray. If they say no, then you're in such a situation where, uh, the sin of that is on their heads, not on yours. Uh, and so you can just pray when your plane lands and make up all your prayers when your pray, prayer land, plane lands. But I've, they've never said no to me. If you ask part of like 90% of getting the answer you want has to do with how, with how you ask. Uh, and so this is a skill I can't teach it through fifth class. Um, uh, but you know, if you're charming and nice person with a good smile and, and know how to ask and when to ask and whatnot. Inshallah, the help of Allah Ta'ala is there for a person who wants to do what's right. And this is a tension every single time I get onto a plane, uh, every time I get on, really when I do anything, you know, because there's so many things you don't, you, that are not in your control and I have all this tension and I just make dua to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, make it easy for me. I just want to, you know, I just want to say my prayers. I just want to do those things that you made fard on me. So help, you know, and every time by Allah's fadl, he gives help. And once it's done, there's a great relief uh, uh, in that. So at any rate, but your fard prayers, if you're going to pray them standing, you should pray them standing if you're able to. The non-fard prayers, you should pray them sitting in your seat. And it doesn't matter which way the seat is directed. If you wish to, you can turn your head toward the qibla and pray. Uh, say Allahu Akbar and then just pray the rest of the prayer in whatever direction you're facing. Uh, it, the text seems to suggest that even that's not necessary uh, while you're while you're actually immediately traveling or moving. Um, another another thing is people are like, well, how am I supposed to know what the time of the prayer is? Do just open the uh, the window of the plane and look outside. Right? If you don't know when the prayer times are supposed to be, that's a whole set of fit classes. Please learn it from somebody but you should be able to open the window you should at least know which direction your your plane is facing oftentimes in the planes they have a, a set of graphics that show where in the world you are and where the line of the sunrise and sunset is it's like a weird like double bell curve or not double a bell curve um with the with the with the uh the vertex of the bell uh being uh, on the top in the winter on the north in the winter and in the south in the summer in our summer, I guess if you're listening from Australia, the other way around, or from South Africa or whatever, the other way around. But uh, um, and then you know, the 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 eastern the eastern edge of that light dark barrier is the sunrise, and the western edge is the sunset. So that can help you a lot with figuring out what what your prayer times are going to be, uh, as well if you're like sitting in the middle seat and can't look out the window. But uh, you know, point is figure it out. Um, Figure it out and then, and then say your prayers when it's time to say your prayers. Um, the the, the non-fard prayers, pray them in your seat. And explicitly, uh, that includes the, the shafa and witr. 
that it explicitly includes the Shafa'i and Witr. And if someone's a Hanafi and listening, maybe uh, the hukum is different because the Hanafis consider the Shafa'i and Witr to be wajib. But uh, in the Maliki school, uh, at least Ibn Abi Zaid, he gives explicit, Salahatan, uh, he gives explicit um, uh, 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 text that the Witr, you, you, you can pray it sitting. وَلَا يُصَلِّي الْفَرِضَةَ وَإِنْ كَانَ مَرِضًا إِلَّا بِالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ إِنْ نَزَلَ صَلَّى جَالَسًا إِمَاءً لِمَرَضِهِ We can save this, inshallah, masla for the for next week, inshallah. Sallallahu ta'ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad ala alihi wa sahbihi sallam ajma'een Are there any... Yes? So, um, regarding, like, his praying in, um, Weird, like this is not actually that weird, but like I'll tell you what I did today. So I had a training class in some hotel in past Alvarado. Okay. And so rather than searching, asking for permission at the like look for a room, I just prayed in like stairwell. Yeah. Um, and um, didn't tell anybody. But would you recommend that we tell somebody in advance and ask for a room, or would you say that we better off like I figured use most people don't use stairwell hotels. So yeah, should you ask permission? Should you tell somebody? It's up to you. It's up yeah, to your situation. Will walk through, right? And they'll be like, uh, you know. I think I think people should be not so concerned if someone sees you praying. Yeah. Uh, that's not a big deal. I think the concern should be like if you're doing it illegally, like someone's gonna call the cops, uh, or, or someone's gonna like raise a ruckus, rightfully raise a ruckus, like you're in their lawn or whatever. Yeah. In that case, you should probably ask permission. But if it's one of those things, you just have two rakahs, you got to get them done. And, uh, you you know, you don't want to talk to nobody about it because you don't have time or you don't expect a good response from people or whatever. Yeah. Uh, then just do what you need to do. Um, that's my personal advice. And the other thing is that, like, so maybe if you're amongst people who you have some sort of clout or influence with, it may be better to ask for a, a, a secluded space just because then you're going to have more khushu and more humility and presence in the prayer because sometimes we focus so much on praying, standing, and all this other stuff that we, you know, rush through the prayer without any sort of presence, you know. And so some people are like, well, is it better to pray in my seat with presence rather than pray standing rushed? And the answer is don't separate them. Do both. You should be concerned about both the inward, inward reality of prayer and the outward conformance to the law. And uh, 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 so, you know, go, find that place, stand. Even if you pray quick, it doesn't necessarily mean that your prayer is, 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 is bad. You can pray quickly, but have presence also. Just remember while you're, Alhamdulillah, just remember this is you're doing this for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Allah is watching you and Allah will reward you for this, inshallah, um, by His fadl and by His karam and by His minna and by His rahmah, inshallah. So, yeah, I, I mean, it all depends on what your situation is, what you feel like, what people around you feel like, and how, what situation, the place you're in is in. I don't think a stairwell is a big deal. People know everybody's in, you know, everyone's in the hotel for, they're all guests. You know, you just need to do your thing. So sometimes people take cell phone calls in the stairwell. You know, I, I bet not too long ago people used to go to stairwells to smoke a cigarette. Um, you know, so I guess, you know, it's one of those things. If you're like, you know, whatever, triple, quadruple gold member, of the hotel and like do business with them all the time and they know you on a first name basis, then you can be like, yo, I have to pray. Can I have a room or can I have a, and the, the, if you know, you know, they'll be happy to open something up for you. That may be better. Uh, um, you know, but it depends on, I guess the situation and your own common sense. 
which is incidentally not as common as one would think, but khair. Also, with when we wash our feet for wudu, uh, like usually at work, I usually, I'm able to like find like private bathrooms, but usually in public places, I'll take like this thing and kind of like take my socks off and wash it over the toilet seat. Yeah. Are there any pitfalls with that that I might need to be cognizant of? Yeah, no, I think uh, just, uh, just you know, try not to make your clothes or your shoes or your feet, you know, touch najis. Um, this is another thing. You don't necessarily have to put your foot in the sink. If you wet your hand and run it over your foot enough that, that the, the cracks and crevices that are kind of white, that the water gets into them and the whiteness goes away, uh, that's enough. You should just have, you, you have for it to be... What considered legally washing and not wiping in the Maliki school it just should be uh, enough that you moisten the skin surface and like one or two drops more than that. And that you can do that with a wet hand as well. And uh, the other schools, they actually have a, h- a higher amount of water that has to go over the, the surface. The Maliki school is relatively easy on this issue. And uh, it may take longer. You may have to wet your hand and rub, rub the limb a little bit more to get the water into the skin. But, uh, but there's no, you know, it's not necessary that you put your foot in the sink. Um, and that's again, play it by ear. Some places are not a big deal. Some places people are going to more, more and more increasingly as time goes on, they're going to try to like make an Alamo out of it. I had someone try to call me out about it in, in the airport. So he was a minority as well. So I was like, what do you think? Like by doing this, they're going to love you now. I said, both you and I are, they, they think of us as, as animals. What you think by fighting with me now, they're going to give wave the American flag to you and make you a hero and like, say you're one of us now. They, they're going to hate us anyway. Just calm down. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I wasn't trying to do, you know, like that's not, that's not what I meant. I go, people wash their face in the, in the sink. I go first, I'm not sticking my foot up in the, in the, in the water. And B, people also wash their hands after taking a crap in the sink as well. So, uh, you know, that's whatever. Um, a cop on campus at, at UIC, he threatened to arrest me for washing my foot in the sink. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead and do that. And when his partner saw that I speak English relatively well and I was like very nonchalant about it, he pulled his partner back and said, this guy looks like he's trouble. Just don't waste your time. Because, I mean, there's, I, I don't see legally unless, like, it's private property and someone explicitly says, I don't want you washing my feet in, in the sink. I don't see it as being such a big deal. But, uh, you know, it's A, we sh- we, uh, to be fair, we shouldn't go, if we know something is going to piss people off, we shouldn't go about doing it if it's avoidable. So if, like what you said, you wash your, wash moist in your hands and wipe your foot, you know, without raising it into the sink or like over the toilet or whatever with a bottle, if you can do that, you know, then inshallah Allah will reward you for, for, for having concern for people that you don't antagonize them unnecessarily. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's not a big deal. I mean, it's one of those things a lot of people, they harbor a lot more fear than there's actually something to be afraid of. But if on the flip side you know that it's gonna make a big deal for no reason, then right, and then you go to like an Insta convention and looks like someone took a shower in there. That's yeah, that's problem. yeah, that's not cool either. You're right. That that's not cool either. If you're using a, a facility, a public facility that other people are gonna have to use, please uh, try not to splash water around. I'm bad about it, I know, but like it's not good. So I try whenever I remember, try to use less water. Try not to splash it around. It's a sunnah to use less water anyway. And then take, you know, the napkins and wipe down the basin, the mirror, all this stuff. Especially, you know, it hurts the feelings of the, the, the custodians and the janitors who have to clean up after you. 
Um, and those are the people, you know, a lot of people are concerned with getting a picture with, you know, the governor or with a senator or whatever. And maybe those people with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are worth less than a dung beetle. And maybe the custodian and janitor is somebody who has a maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, because of the hard work that they do in order to support their families or whatever. And you don't know it. So you should be very careful about not hurting their feelings by making extra work for them. So yeah, be careful about that. Take the take the uh, the, the the paper towels and uh, uh, you know wipe up the sink and the the mirror and all that stuff after you're done, uh, or the person after you who's not gonna wanna who's gonna just see the the amount of water splashed around and feel bad. Uh, have concern for their feelings as part of the dean as well. Barakallahu feekum.